Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl, And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, that was take two. I apologize. We had to, uh, <laughs> we had to erase uh, take one. I, you know, I, I have not done the show in, I mean, really since last year. It's been a while. Um, We've already lived a year since this year began. I mean, it is unbelievable. I don't know. It is 2020. I mean, my God. So look, we, we've got a we've got a lot to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about obviously developments in Iran. I'll be joined very shortly by Senator Chris Murphy uh, of Connecticut, a Democrat, uh, obviously quite critical of the president's uh, actions. But um, now that it seems there's been a de-escalation on on all sides, we're interested to see what Senator Murphy has to say. Also, in just a moment. We're going to be talking to our man at the Pentagon, the great Louis Martinez, to get uh, to get some intel about the uh, the aftermath of what we saw take place uh, in in Iraq. Those missiles fired uh, from Iranian territory. But first, the president just completed his address to the nation, um, flanked by the military leadership, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, uh, his national security team. And, Rick, you, you had to just notice that the president had considerably turned the volume down. And this is, this is his first remarks after Iran has attacked U.S. military facilities in Iraq, but done so in a way that looks – I don't want to use the word pinprick, uh, but, but strikes that didn't kill anybody. It, it, it was a step back from the brink. I mean, it looked like we were in the middle of war, or certainly on the brink of war, um, just the evening before. And the president um, seemed to try to take that step back, try to say, look, from our view, the Iranians are done doing what they did. No one was killed. No American, uh, no American casualties, no Iraqi casualties. And I'm good with that. My question is, John, whether the president can declare this over by himself now that it has begun. The Iranians, uh, as we know, may not be done in terms of their reaction. We don't know if they've got something although, else up Although the, the comments from, from the Iranian foreign minister suggested uh, that, that they are they have concluded their uh, their retaliation. Fair enough. Although they've, In terms of their military retaliation. They've responded slowly in other ways, maybe cyber ways in, in the past. And it, the other thing is- And the Supreme Leader says this has to be not just the military. I mean, basically, the marker they've said is now they want U.S. forces out of the region. And the other thing is that they are now announcing publicly that they're restarting their nuclear program. Right, right. But the president began his remarks uh, there in the uh, um, in the grand foyer of the White House by saying Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon, which seemed to be a, a shall we say, a red line, line in the sand, however you want to you want to say it. But I want you to just listen to to what he just a brief snippet of his uh, remarks, not only for. The substance, the word he is, the words he he has chosen here, um, but also the way in which they're delivered. Iran appears to be standing down, which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. No American or Iraqi lives were lost because of the precautions taken. First of all, I mean, this does not sound like the guy that we were. Seeing just yesterday in the uh, you know in the Oval Office saying we are ready and we will respond to any you know he's, he's clearly rhetorically and just the way he's doing this uh, turning the temperature down significantly. The other thing he did, Rick, he, he suggested that what which he did before we got into this before this the killing of Soleimani 
that he's ready to have negotiations with Iran on a deal for uh, they, they would they would increase peace in the world, uh, and then offered this message uh, to the Iranian leadership and the people in Iran. To the people and leaders of Iran, we want you to have a future and a great future, one that you deserve, one of prosperity at home and harmony with the nations of the world. The United States is ready to embrace peace with all who seek it. I mean, this is pretty extraordinary. A uh, Less than a week after taking out the top military official in Iran, perhaps the second most important person in Iran out be, be, besides the, uh, the Ayatollah, and, and less than at this point, this was like about 12 hours after the, uh, right. the Iranian missiles hit uh, U.S. military facilities in Iraq. He's talking about negotiations. I mean, this is the guy that went from fire and fury to uh, love letters with, uh, with Kim Jong-un, you know, in a, in a, in a nanosecond. And, and I think it's one reason that talk of the Trump doctrine or Trump strategy is premature at this stage, because it's clear there really isn't one. Uh, we haven't heard a full justification yet for the initial decision to target Soleimani, something that previous presidents, as we know, John, uh, decided not to do, because, in part because they were worried about the repercussions and what the message would send. Uh, and he has ignited the powder keg. And there are lots of recriminations. There are lots of responses that are a piece of this. Uh, but you don't he, he doesn't he doesn't get to have it in the way of uh, of dictating all of the terms at this point. I think you're seeing a president who's caught between his own instincts. This is a president who did campaign on ending Middle Eastern wars. He's also at times talked about the need to, to send more troops and in fact has ordered more troops to the region. And you see this in, in so much of what he does. This is a this is a president who makes decisions basically on the fly, often with a haphazard decision making process. And it makes it hard for uh, his allies or his enemies to divine the true intentions there. Okay, I see we have Senator Murphy waiting in the wings. But first, let's go to the Pentagon. Uh, Louis Martinez, are you with us? Yes, I am. All right. So, Louis, uh, and by the way, uh, we should just say great work by by Louis last night. I was at the White House and uh, starting to get these these messages from Louie and the rest of us in the news division as well, saying there is something happening in Iraq. And it looks like there is some kind of a, uh, of a strike that has come from uh, Iranian territory. No confirmation yet, but there are reports. We believe they are credible. Now, for our listeners who don't understand who Louis Martinez is, this is one of the most uh, well-informed reporters at the Pentagon uh, somebody who I worked side by side with during some of the darkest days of the Iraq War, um, and it was great sources over there. But also, somebody doesn't raise alarms unless alarms need to be raised. <laughs> so when you, when Louis was saying, "Stand up and take notice," there is something going on. We all stood up and take notice, and 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 initially, as those reports came in, it felt like perhaps we were. This was like the beginning of all-out war. And then we waited for the damage assessments, and we, we, we saw. But, but Louis, is it your sense, talking to your sources over there, and, and um, that this is over? Or did they, did they take the Iranians at their word when they say they've concluded their, their military uh, retaliation? Or w- w- what's the state of alert? Well, definitely, John, they're standing ready. They're, they know that this could not be the end of things. Um, you heard the president say that they're standing down. I talked to an official who said, yeah, we're, we're not seeing anything that indicates an aggressive posture right now, um, but they are at a high level of readiness. So uh, that indicates to me that, you know, we're not seeing 
lots of activity that could indicate another potential attack right now. Uh, but they've got to be ready because, I mean, they don't want to be surprised by something like this. Um, earlier, before the president came out, I talked to a senior official, and he told me that um, – what do you guys think? Is this just a one-off and then the president's going to stand back? And uh, that was the sense that that official had. I asked, are other officials having that sentiment? And that official said, yep, there's a bunch of us thinking like this. So when the president came out, uh, it was kind of in line with what we had been hearing beforehand. I got to say, going back to last night, uh, at the time I was getting your messages, the White House looked a little bit like a ghost town. So the um, the White House press office had called what would they call a, a full lid, which means no more news coming tonight uh, out of the White House, no more statements, et cetera. And, um, you know, I, I looked at the uh, both the, the, the Associated Press and, and Reuters have their booths uh, right near where ABC is. They were gone, actually. Uh, bumped into uh, to Steve Holland, the great uh, Reuters reporter who was heading out, and uh, and I said to him, "Hey, are you hearing anything about something happening in Iraq?" Because we're, we're we're hearing, you know. I told him what, what you know what you were hearing, and he hadn't gotten that yet. I mean, it was like it was all quiet on the North Lawn, and 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 that word came in, and it was so spooky to you know first hear Louis's ominous warning and then, and then, and then to see the reports coming in and again you don't know what it was at first you know we had Ian panel uh, who is our, our was our person in, in northern Iraq and Erbil uh, saying that he actually heard uh, two distinct explosions and then you had the reports in Anbar uh, um, really something else what 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 was the uh, what was the mood in the Pentagon because they obviously didn't know exactly at first how serious this was or wasn't no, it was a total surprise. I'll tell you what. We had been working for a couple hours on reports that were coming over Twitter um, that's indicated that uh, there were alarms, that there were sirens going off at some of these U.S. bases uh, or that they were even under attack. And it was just Twitter stuff. I mean, we didn't, we, we didn't know if it was true or not. Um, but then we started getting some guidance that, hey, there might actually be something to this. Well, it turned out to be nothing. Um, it turned out to be false reports. Um, but then we got uh, shortly after that wave off, uh, we got good inf- internal information that something is really happening. And they were just two different events. And so the vibe, while the Pentagon officials were checking out those first false reports, was really uh, just quiet. I mean, a lot of reporters just saying, we don't know what to make of it. Hey, we're just standing around waiting to see if this is really legit or not. And it, they turned out not to be legit. But and then just uh, 15 minutes later, wow, it, it, it's just full running, you know. And then you, you couldn't get officials to talk to you or to try to confirm the information on the record. Um, and But ultimately, we had the information that uh, was proven right. And Louis, is, is the working theory now that the Iranians were essentially trying to miss, that they were, they were lobbing some missiles that they knew would not cause any major damage? You know, there are some people that seem to believe this, um, but I've been told by a couple officials now that that may not have been the case, that what we're talking about here is that, sure, Iran has missile capability. They can get things to a certain place, but can they hit a specific target? Maybe not. Um, And so I've been told, you know, that um, don't think that they were intentionally trying to miss. Um, You know, let's think about what al-Assad is, right? This is that big base in western Iraq. I'm sure it's a huge base, a lot of personal 
personnel there, but it's also in the middle of the desert, and there's a lot of empty space on that base. Um, So maybe their guidance systems aren't that precise, and maybe they were just aiming for the general area where the the base was, and instead they they hit some of the less populated areas. But um, I've been told that, yeah, some structures were hit, and you've got these satellite images uh, that have been released now, um, and that they show, yes, there were some structures that were hit. Luckily, most of the personnel were in bunkers by that time. Um, It's a five to ten minute flight from Iran into uh, those bases in Iraq. And by that time, they were already in bunkers kind of uh, waiting it out. And and the president made reference to uh, some some good early warning systems. What was he talking about there? I mean, is that beyond what we know about in terms of satellites that would pick up movement? Or was there there some other way that they would have been notified in advance that this is coming? Sure. So definitely it was part of the infrared space system. Um, This is a a satellite system uh, that observes the entire Earth, and they're looking for heat signatures whenever um, missiles are launched. And then that sets off a whole series of notifications that they try to pick out the trajectory to try to determine whether it's a threat to the United States. Um, In this case, they picked up the heat signatures. Uh, um, We're we're more than likely sure this was the case. They picked up the heat signatures and they passed that information on to commanders inside Iraq. But you're right, Rick. Um, Officials telling me that they they had other information. They don't want to specify exactly what that was. Um, But they had enough internal warnings uh, to get um, most of their service members to safety. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that infrared system is a part of it. And there may be – who knows? Maybe they had in signals intelligence at the, in real time and then they were able to determine that, yep, something's – There may have been way. something through diplomatic channels. I mean the, the Iranians uh, gave a heads up to the Iraqis. Did the Iraqis share that? You know, there are reports about that. I haven't verified that yet. And um, it may be that they didn't. Uh, because when I mentioned that to an official, what he came back with was, yeah, it was more our internal warnings that helped huh. us. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Louis Martinez, our man at the Pentagon. Thank you for joining us in Powerhouse Politics. We'll be talking to you uh, probably several more times <laughs> during the course of the day. Really appreciate it, Louis. No, thanks for having me. And thanks for the really nice words, John. Really yep. appreciate no, it. You're, 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 you're one of the best, man. Appreciate it. So we've got Senator Murphy waiting in the wings, but we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Powerhouse Politics. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. We are joined now by Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut. Senator Murphy, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So bottom line, it felt, you know, maybe just 18 hours ago that we were on the the, the brink possibly of an all-out war in the Middle East. Um, In the intervening time, we've We've had these uh, rocket or missile attacks uh, from the Iranians, but we've also seen, um, you know, no casualties apparently, Iraqi uh, or American casualties, and both sides take what seemed to me anyway to be p- rather deliberate uh, steps to uh, at least, at least um, in terms of how they are verbalizing what's going on um, rhetorically uh, to de-escalate the situation. Are we safer now than we were yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I guess we're thinking in 24-hour increments these days. Uh, perhaps if we are truly on a path towards military de-escalation, uh, that is good news. Um, the question, though, really is are we safer today than we were on Thursday of last week? And the answer is absolutely not. Um, it is just catastrophic, uh, the damage that's been done to U.S. national security since 
the targeting of Qasem Soleimani. Uh, I don't think the administration gamed out how badly this would go for us, but the fact that we are going to now have to engage in all sorts of repair work to try to keep our troops from being kicked out of uh, Iraq, to try to repair our reputation with that government, uh, to try to unsuspend the counter-ISIS operations, and uh, and then to you know s- start um, trying to reconstruct the nuclear constraints on Iran, which just evaporated in the last four to five days. Um, that's that's work that perhaps will be impossible. Uh, so I'm certainly glad that it looks as if uh, President Trump is going to sort of take what appears to be a cue from the way in which the Iranians engaged last night and, um, uh, and stand down militarily. So, so how do you re- respond to those who look at this situation and say uh, two things? One, uh, Soleimani, who's one of the you know, clearly a bad guy, and I know you agree with that, somebody who's, who's got American blood on his hands, a lot of Iraqi blood on his hands as well. Um, he is now gone. Uh, true, he's been replaced, but he was a kind of a singular figure um, in, in Iran, uh, both politically and in terms of, uh, of his leadership of the, of the Quds Force and all their operations throughout that region. That he's gone, uh, and that's a good thing. Um, and that uh, now the, the Iranians have heard a message which they had not heard, uh, which is if they strike the United States or make plans to strike uh, U.S. Um, facilities, personnel, that they will be hit back and hit back hard. Right, but the Iranians knew that during the Obama administration. I mean, remember, the Iranians weren't attacking U.S. assets in Iraq for the, I think, six years uh, leading up to this uh, confrontation. Uh, so the idea that we were, you know, restoring deterrence, um, you know, doesn't really add up. The Iranians are still engaged in all sorts of other provocative behavior in the region. They're still um, underwriting a war in Yemen that is leading to the rebirth of ISIS and al-Qaeda there. They're still um, menacing in uh, Syria today. They still have a ballistic missile program. They now have a nuclear weapons program again. Uh, so, I mean, yes, you know, I, I guess we have, um, you know, come out of this without thousands of Americans being killed, but none of it deterred Iran. Um, in fact, they struck us last night, maybe in a manner that didn't get Americans killed, but they certainly didn't back down based upon the killing of Soleimani, which is essentially what the Trump administration said they would do. So uh, I'm certainly not crying that Soleimani is dead, but the fact that we uh, now have all sorts of other interests compromised in the regions now that we have so much repair work to do just to get the fight back up against ISIS, which in many ways is a much more serious threat to the United States than Iran is directly. Um, we, um, uh, we've, uh, we're, in a, we're in a really weak position today, much weaker than we were just five days ago, much, much weaker than we were at the start of the Trump administration. Senator Murphy, we heard from the president this morning saying that Soleimani was planning new attacks uh, and that those have been stopped. I, I'm I know you're going to get briefed uh, later this afternoon along with other senators in a classified setting, but have you learned to any satisfaction about whether there was indeed an imminent threat that American lives were being targeted? Uh, and if so, whether that threat subsided somehow, that, that there was some planning that went on that got called off as a result of this? 
I have received no information thus far. As you mentioned, we're going to have a briefing later today. It is abnormal that Congress would um, have to wait five to six days in order to get briefed on an attack on a foreign uh, country. Uh, there have, of course, been regular threat assessments from Iran against U.S. interests and U.S. personnel in the region uh, since May of last year, uh, since the moment at which this cycle of escalation began. It is not sufficient to rely on those general threat assessments. And so I will be looking, you know, not only for the, the specifics around this attack, um, but also why they judge the assassination of Soleimani as to be the necessary pro prophylactic step. Um, we have all sorts of other options at our disposal, hardening our defenses, going after other Iranian military targets. And I think that'll be the key question. Why, why was that particular strike necessary to stop that threat. And Senator, a lot of your friends are running for president. We're in the middle of a, uh, a pretty hot election season. Iowa's less than a month away. Uh, you've been around long enough to see what anti-war movements look like in the, in the context of politics. We're now going to have a president running for re-election, not just under impeachment, but potentially at wartime as well. What's your sense of how best to message that? How Democrats can be critical of a commander-in-chief and his decision-making without being seen as um, mourning terrorists on one hand or impugning uh, the, the motivations of, uh, of a commander-in-chief? Well, I, I'll, I'll answer, but I'll provide a caveat, which is that uh, you know, no decisions that we make here as members of Congress should be affected by our you know, political calculations. But we all do have to pay attention to you know, what voters want. That's ultimately our responsibility. You know, I've already heard Mitch McConnell on the floor of the Senate you know, suggesting that criticism of Trump is uh, equated to criticism of America. That's ridiculous. It's BS. I've listened to it before. It's how the neocons tried to quiet critics of the evasion of Iraq. Um, we need to stand up um, and speak for our beliefs to try to prevent the United States from getting into a war. And I hope that our Democratic candidates won't be cowed into silence um, by people like Mitch McConnell and uh, Nikki Haley and others. Um, but I have long believed that there was a a real imperative for Democrats running for president to take it to this executive uh, on the issue of national security. I, I think this is, you know, not new. The president has gravely injured the, this nation's security around the world. He has made us a literal laughing stock, uh, and I think there are a lot of voters out there. Um, who may be on the fence today, uh, but if they hear a real strong national security message from Democrats, not just a critique of Trump, but what Democrats are actually going to do to make this country safer, um, I, I think that there will be votes there. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately, I, I, I hope that all of our Democratic candidates are listening and, and are not only engaging in criticism of the president, but actually putting forth some detailed plans as to how they're going to reconstruct our image uh, and rebuild our nation's security. So you're finally going to get briefed uh, by the Trump national security team on the initial uh, – the, on the attack that killed Soleimani, which as you point out, is six days ago. And, and I understand that, that you and many – and others have said this is, this is an uh, unacceptably late briefing and, and, and there should have been notification much, much sooner, you know, detailed explanation of what happened. But let me just ask you, when you are briefed by – the president's national security team. You're briefed by people like CIA director Gina Haspel. Uh, you're, you're briefed by the defense secretary, Esper. You're briefed by uh, uh, General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. You're briefed by Secretary of State Pompeo. 
do you trust what you're what what you're hearing? Uh, I understand you have you 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 don't you don't think the president himself has credibility on 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 this and what he is saying. But what about you know these people that are you know that the senior players on the National Security Council, the president's National Security uh, team? Do you trust the information you get from them? I, listen, I think that's a it's a hard question to answer. I, I don't think. Uh, I don't go into these briefings believing that um, I'm going to be lied to. I don't go into these briefings believing that uh, the president's cabinet are going to um, present us a set of facts that don't exist. Uh, I do believe, and I have seen them, um, spin facts and leave out facts that are incredibly important to the national security narrative moving forward. Uh, and so, I, I, and of course, I just fundamentally disagree with their analysis um, on most national security decisions that this administration has made. Um, and of course, I also worry um, about the level of experience in this cabinet. Um, Mike Pompeo is a smart guy, but he was running a manufacturing business at the beginning of this decade. Um, Secretary Esper was working for a government contractor selling stuff to the United States government. Uh, so I also worry that you know, we have relative amateurs in charge of national security compared to the kind of people that were running things for previous Republican and Democratic presidents. Um, but no, I guess to answer your question directly, um, I don't uh, my skepticism doesn't rise to the level of believing that I'm being lied to in these briefings. And before we let you go, Senator, I know you're among the senators who are now saying maybe it's just time to get those articles of impeachment uh, over. Has there been any substantive movement that you're aware of? Are you going to see those articles of impeachment maybe by the end of the week? Do you have any reason to believe that they're going to be delayed beyond that? My sense is that we will get this trial underway next week, um, and I don't think there's really any injustice in you know, getting the trial started in the second week of the new session instead of the first week of the new session. Um, my you know, belief is that you know, the greatest leverage we have is inside the confines of that trial. I, I just don't think that Republicans are... Um, confidence um, in their ability to vote against witnesses and get away with it with their constituents. And so, uh, you know, I think getting the trial started sooner rather than later is you know, probably important. And my guess is that that is going to be what happens. We'll probably uh, open up this uh, process next week. All right. Senator Chris Murphy, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. Uh, we appreciate you sharing your insights and your time and hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Senator. A little, little bit of a headline there. Yeah, um, next week. He thinks the trial's going to start next week. That's good, because I've been trying to, trying to adjust my calendar. Not that that's really what should be the driving there's factor a, here, but... Uh, no, it is. I mean, there's, a, there's a Democratic debate next week, by the way, next Tuesday night. <laughs> I, I, I want to cancel some flights to Des Moines. Uh, it's, it's wild because of this new... We knew that this was a, a, a month that was filled with uncertainty. We, we knew that the, the impeachment was hanging over it. Uh, we knew that the Democratic uh, race is obviously in its end stages the last four weeks before the Iowa caucuses. But to throw the prospect, the real possibility of war with Iran into the mix is just wild. And you see this president, John, that you've covered so closely for so long, who's at, again at the center of all of these maelstroms and so many of them of his own creating. But, you know, I, I thought that in terms of his comments on uh, on Iran, there were a couple – I mean, obviously, he's incredibly critical of the president's actions in terms of ordering the strike that took out Soleimani, uh, upset with the way Congress – the lack of 
of consultation and briefing with Congress. But he, he did acknowledge uh, that he feel the world is a safer place than it was yesterday, which is not not not, not insignificant. <laughs> but maybe um, not a week ago. <laughs> uh, but, but certainly no, he's certainly not a week ago uh, in in his view. Uh, but there was a degree of normalcy in his critique that that I, I think we. We've kind of lost, which was kind of interesting. It's like when I asked him the question about whether or not he actually trusts what yeah. he is hearing, and he is saying, no, he does not believe the CIA director or the defense secretary or even the secretary of state are going to come and lie to him in a briefing. That's like a little bit of progress. Is that progress? That's I mean, better he thinks than it's we going to be spawn and it's going to be, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be critical of, of, of their positions on the issues and, and they, they might be spinning the facts in a certain way, but that, that's the way it should be. I mean, we, we, we've come through a period and we've seen it. You know, we've seen it with um, Lord knows, uh, you know, the the Iraq War and the uh, and, and the allegations. I remember Nancy Pelosi at one point saying of the CIA, they lie to us all the time. And of course, the president himself has constantly accused the intelligence community of lying. You know, it'd be nice to get back to a world where uh, where there were policy disagreements, where there were disagreements, perhaps in the f- way the facts were framed but at least an understanding and acceptance of some basic facts. And maybe there's a compartmentalization that goes on here because, as Senator Murphy's aware, the Trump campaign is actively fundraising over the killing of Soleimani. Uh, and surrogates like Nikki Haley, who we referenced there, are saying that uh, that Democrats are busy mourning, mourning. a, a terrorist, uh, which is not true. I no. mean, it's just not. I mean, so that's that's a that's still a problem for getting to that uh, that place that you that you're but at. Maybe maybe we can start. Uh, you know, I think there's something about moving that direction. Well, I do think there's something about American troops being fired upon by a hostile power that changes the equation of this. This isn't purely a political exercise. You can say the president made a mistake or didn't know what he was getting into, but if we're in a active shooting war with anyone, uh, and of course that even that, that definition changes in this, this age of cyber and asymmetric warfare. But if we're in an active shooting war, as understood by Americans, I, I don't know that. Being critical of the president is quite the same. I mean, Senator Murphy talked about this a little bit, but we know that the Democratic Party is anti-Trump. We don't know that it's reflexively anti-Trump's war or anti-a war that is being seen as cast as a making Americans safer. That's that's complicated. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for this edition of Powerhouse Politics. I want to thank Avery Miller and Susie Liu and wherever Trevor Hastings is. Is he still on vacation? Or what's, yeah, we'll, uh, find we'll find him. Uh, yeah, we'll find him. All right. Uh, I want to thank our entire Powerhouse Politics team, and we will be seeing you next week.